My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I'd say up to the age of 16, I, I was playing at the highest level that you could for a 16-year-old um, in, in Australia. A couple of my teammates uh, are probably well-known, uh, Tim Cahill. Uh, I played with, with him uh, in, in his team for a couple of years at Sydney Olympic. Um, I, I played alongside um, Lucas Neal a, a few times uh, when I was younger as well. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Fabian DeMarco, Managing Director of Commercial and Construction Capital. We'll hear how he juggles a business and his own personal investments. He'll share some life lessons from a self-proclaimed former party animal and the difference between loving the game of soccer and living it. DeMarco is a senior commercial lending specialist with over 20 years of financial services expertise honed within property development and corporate finance. He's worked for the big banks and the small ones too. He's seen the good, the not so good and the great ways of doing property finance. But maybe the best part about him? He's a local boy from Sydney. You can probably tell by the surname that I, I have uh, some ethnic descent. Uh, my parents uh, were both uh, born in Italy. Uh, and migrated over to Australia uh, when they were about 13, 14 years old. Uh, so I was born and raised here in, uh, in Sydney. Um, I would describe myself as someone that is adventurous, uh, someone that likes having fun, um, but someone that can also be serious when, when they need to. I'm the Managing Director for Commercial and Construction Capital. So Commercial and Construction Capital is an expert firm in arranging non-bank uh, private finance for, for property investors and property developers. As someone who's worked in a high-pressure environment for several decades, you'd think the market can handle everything that's thrown at him. You'd be right if we were just talking about finance, but family? I don't think anyone has figured that out yet. The best way to describe it is, and, and I know the younger listeners are probably not going to have any idea what about I'm, what I'm about to say is, but uh, when I was little, there used to be these little... Um, there were little like uh, Christmas things that were filled with water, uh, and when you shake them, uh, it had snow in it. And, and as you shake it, the snow would go everywhere, and, and it would slowly then settle down back down to the to the ground. But uh, in the when you first pick it up and you shake it, everything goes everywhere. And then as as every, as the uh, the water starts to settle, everything starts to settle back into place. And that's pretty much my my day. 
uh, in a nutshell now. So I wake up in the morning. Um, we've got uh, three three young boys, uh, and it's just um, nonstop from from the second they wake up uh, to the second uh, we get them to bed. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, in between there, there's some serious stuff. Uh, I run a business. Um, I try to to keep myself active uh, by by trying to get to the gym as well uh, in the mornings, uh, at least three three or four times a week. I uh, can't say that uh, that always happens, uh, but uh, that's that's typically the the plan. We start off uh, with with a little bit of exercise in the morning, get the kids off to school, then then uh, get into to the work day. Uh, obviously, afternoons uh, the kids come home. Uh, so there's that period between sort of three o'clock and five o'clock where both my wife and I are, are like circus juggling clowns where we're juggling between kids and trying to take emails and take calls and still try and present uh, a very corporate and professional uh, appearance uh, whilst we've got kids asking for uh, afternoon tea and activities and, and, and all of that. So so it's uh it's very exciting. It's uh it's that time of life for us. Um, but yeah, look, one thing that I've I've realised, um, you know, you can miss a lot of life if you're constantly trying to to always be at the next checkpoint uh, instead of sort of just appreciating where you are. Um, you know, this is the phase of life we're in right now. Uh, it's chaotic, but uh, try to find a little bit of uh, beauty in the chaos, if that makes sense. Now, DeMarco is a father trying his best to forge a great life for his family. His own childhood was a little different. For the listeners that are not from Sydney, uh, I'd say it's about 20 minutes outside of uh, Sydney CBD uh, in an area called uh, Ride. Um, so I went to school in that area as well. Um, so yeah, I've pretty much been in Sydney my whole life. Um, you know, toyed with the idea of uh, we've toyed with the idea of uh, possibly uh, life outside of Sydney um, but at the moment uh, Sydney is, is where we call home. The best memories I have is is sort of uh, just playing with with uh, with your cousins uh, on a weekend or after school um, you know whether it was we did everything we'd, we'd play soccer we'd play cricket we'd chase cicadas uh, you know knock on the neighbors uh, doors and, and go and play in their backyard There's a lot of things that kids don't I think have the opportunity to do today uh, the world's a very different place now than it was uh, you know a while back uh, I don't want to say how long back but <laughs> a while back uh, but yeah it was it was fun I, I, I have great memories of my childhood um, and, and you know something that I, I hope my kids look back as well uh, and, and can say they have good memories as well. In the modern world we live in great memories can look different to every new generation. My little one was uh, at the TV the other day just trying to swipe and change the channel i mean he doesn't uh, at, at first we looked at him and said like what's he doing but then we thought why wouldn't he do that every single device he touches he can touch and swipe it and move it and it looks just like a giant ipad so <laughs> you know <laughs> it would make sense um but uh, that yeah that's i mean that's the future uh, obviously um you know uh, it's a balancing act you know you, you try to to sort of not expose them to too much technology um, because obviously you want their, their brain to develop organically. But at the same token, that's, that's the future. That's the world they're, they're growing into. So you, you can't shield them from it and, and not let them be exposed to it because then they're probably going to grow up uh, a little bit behind where everyone else is. So it's a bit of a balancing act, uh, trying to, to balance uh, you know, what's, what's a fair and uh, suitable amount of time on, on devices. And- 
sport has always played a big part in the Australian way of life. For DeMarco, it really shaped how he has lived. I'd say up to the age of 16, I, I was playing at the highest level that you could for a 16-year-old um, in, in Australia. Um, I, I never played for the national team uh, or anything like that, but um, you know, a couple of my teammates uh, are, are probably well-known. Uh, Tim Cahill, uh, I played with, with him uh, in, in his team for a couple of years at Sydney Olympic. Um, I, I played alongside... Um, Lucas Neal a few times uh, when I was younger as well. So a few, a few of the the Socceroos. Um, obviously, you know that's at, at a 15, 16 year old. I was sort of playing at, at that level. Um, but as I said, that that jump from from that age group to senior football, uh, it's all mental. It's all discipline. It's all hard work. Uh, and if you're not willing to do that, um, then then you don't have a chance. And and unfortunately, I was more concerned about going to nightclubs, chasing girls and uh, having fun than I was uh, about training. Hindsight is a powerful tool that we are all presented with about a decade too late. I had a lot of fun. I definitely can't can't deny that. I had a lot of fun uh, in my 20s. Obviously, you know, hindsight is is a beautiful thing. Um, But but yeah, it it was uh, a lot of great lessons learned, to put it that way. There's no doubt, uh, you know, being a professional footballer. Sorry, when I say football, I'm referring to soccer. I just have it uh, by, by calling it football. But um, yeah, but being a professional uh, in that sport, um, you know, you're pretty much set. Um, if you play anywhere in Europe, you should be, you know, provided you invest your money wisely, um, you should be financially set for the rest of your life. Um, but you know, uh, it's uh, it's one of those things. You know, I always think if I had gone down that path, whilst you know it sounds glamorous and it sounds like it would have been amazing, but uh, then I look around and I think, well, I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have these kids. I probably wouldn't have met my wife. I probably, you know, wouldn't have learnt all these lessons uh, over the last 20, 30 years that I, I have now to to draw on. So uh, it's it's one of those things. Um, you know, my dad's got a good saying that he always says to me. You know, if uh, if you look over your fence and the grass looks greener, sometimes it's it's not a matter of the grass being greener. It means you need to water your own grass. So, <laughs> you know. So, um, so yeah, I always sort of look around what I have, and um, you know, I'm quite grateful for for what I've got. Yeah. From footballer to financier, something had to happen in between. Demarco says his journey wasn't as profound as some others, but it did lead him to the best outcome he can think of, and it's not his job. I sort of. Um, you know, I, I thought, what, what's the easiest uh, job that I could get that sort of, uh, you know, fits with my personality and, and, and what I like. And, you know, when I was 18, 19, I was quite a, a sociable person. Um, I, I enjoyed music. Um, so I, I, I approached um, in Parramatta Westfields, there was a, a clothing store, like a young hip clothing store. Um, I approached them and just said, look, if you have any casual work, um, you know, I'd love to you know, work. For, I mean, for me, it was, uh, you know, you go into a shop, you say hello to people and, and there's music blaring. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, a fun fun thing for me to do. And I thought they're going to pay me for this too, even better, you know. So so I worked in, in, in that sort of uh, role for, I'd say, a year and a bit, two years. Um, towards uh, when I got, I was around 21, I met my wife who was working two doors up in another shop, a few doors up in, in, in another shop at the time. Um, she was uh, going to uni. She was studying uh, accounting, a Bachelor of Finance in accounting or something. 
But um, I sort of, I liked her and I, I sort of got the idea. I thought, okay, if, uh, if I'm going to be with her long term, um, I probably got to think about my future and, and maybe, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Um, and, and I sort of started thinking and, you know, I had a chat with my dad uh, who was working in finance uh, at the time. Um, and, and naturally, as, as any parent would, they sort of said, look, you know, why don't you have a think about this? You know, I can show you a little bit about it. I understand it. Um, so I started learning a little bit about that through my dad's business uh, at the time. Um, once I sort of thought I, I had a, a, a decent amount of knowledge, I, I just applied for for a role with, uh, with a finance company at a, a very entry-level position. Um, and, and I did that. And, you know, 20-odd 20, 20 years on, um, here I am now. Uh, I run my own finance company and... And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been one of those, you know, not to sound cliche, but sort of started at the bottom and worked my way through it. And, uh, you know, along the way, I've done some study, um, you know, some, some, you know, entry level studies. I've done a couple of certificates uh, in finance, um, I've, you know, done my RG146 in, in securities, derivatives, managed investments. Uh, so look, I've, I've done a little bit of study, um, but really my, you know, my education has been done through through basically trial and error. Coming up after the break, we dive into DeMarco's personal property encounters. Usually when you go to buy, and any, any of your listeners who buy property, um, and, and I'm talking about when you're buying a property that you're most likely going to live in, you usually make a decision within the first 20 seconds of sometimes even just approaching the property, you can make a decision about whether this is going to be it or not. The reasons why the words emotion and property should never be seen together. But if you're buying something for investment and and the the purpose of that acquisition is to give you either a profit, uh, capital growth or uh, income, uh, then you have to be smart. How looking for a forever home changes your mindset. The second we stepped inside and went out onto a balcony, uh, it wasn't that it had a spectacular view or anything. Uh, the view was okay, but um, just something about it was so serene, uh, we fell in love. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey there. Over the years, I've built up a portfolio of properties and it's been great to see capital growth. But the challenge I face is the passive income has been quite poor, providing a net return of 3-4% to per annum. I'd have to buy at least 10 properties or more to generate $100,000 per year. Now, if I had the cash to buy these outright, which I didn't, then I need the help of banks and as they wouldn't lend me more, I was stuck. This is when I start looking into alternative investments where I could use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns and fast track my passive income goal. In a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve this goal and have tripled my passive income instead. Now, if you want to learn more on how I did this, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-31-32 and I'll send you a free report explaining how I did it. While DeMarco learned the tools of the trade by using them on the job, he already had a natural disposition for finance 
at least at the core level. I like numbers. Numbers make sense to me.、Um, I like money. I like making money. I like understanding how money is made.、Um, and I like property. So, property is, is something that really interests me.、Um, now, whether that's property investment, property development. Um, so, when, when sort of thinking about you know, the idea of finance, and, and you know, th- when I talk finance, I'm talking about I'm working in finance to do with financing property, so buying and selling of, of property. So,、um, the, the two sort of excited me. I, I, I sort of、um, I like that idea.、Um, I, I like numbers.、Um, what's, what's crazy, when I say I like numbers, Uh, one thing that might shock、uh, people is that、uh, in year 11 and 12, I, I did not do mathematics、uh, as a selected、uh, subject. But、uh, back when I was in year 12, it was possible. I didn't do mathematics. But、um, look, I, I don't mind admitting it because I'm, I'm actually like, quite good with numbers now. So, <laughs> so、um, yeah, I actually,、um, uh, my wife will kill me for saying this, but、uh, many, many, many years ago, she, she was interviewing for a job and, and It was one of the tests she had to do was、uh, an online mathematics. It was like a quick, you, they quickly flash a question up and you got like five seconds to answer it. And it was one you do it at home. I sat next to her and as the questions came up, I just gave her the answer like lightning straight away. And she scored. They came back and said, This is the highest score we've ever had on this test. <laughs> I said, not bad for someone that didn't do mathematics in 11 and 12.、So、my day to day role, I, I probably crunch、uh, you know, four or five feasibilities、uh, you know, a day sometimes. Of course, playing with someone else's numbers is one thing. Putting your money where your mouth is is often where the rubber hits the road. For DeMarco, this rings true even outside the world of investment. The first purchase、uh, would have been、uh, how long ago now? About 20 odd years ago now, almost a、um, little bit, maybe a little bit less.、Um, obviously,、uh, just getting married,、um, we were looking to, to buy a property.、Um, at that stage, we weren't sure whether we wanted to buy it as an investment or, or, or one to live in. Um, but um, it, it was,、uh, I remember it was、uh, quite nerve wracking.、Um, you know,、uh, we found one that we, we fell in love with. Um, which,、uh, as, as anyone knows, is, is, puts you in a very difficult position when it comes time to try and negotiate price.、Um, you know, we, it was one of those properties where it was a, a two bedroom apartment in,、uh, in Hunter's Hill.、Um, at first, when, when you looked at it, we thought, look, it looks nice, but I don't think、uh, it will be the one. You know, usually when you go to buy, and any, any of your listeners who buy property,、um, And, and I'm talking about when you're buying a property that you're most likely going to live in, you usually make a decision within the first 20 seconds of sometimes even just approaching the property. You can make a decision about whether this is going to be it or not.、Um, not always, but you know, nine times out of 10, you, know, you can approach a property and straight away, I don't like this street, I don't like the driveway, I don't like this. And you, This one was, was a bit weird.、Um, approaching it, we, we said,、uh, no, I don't think so. It's,、uh, it looks like it's,、uh, the road looks a bit too busy and this and that. But the second we stepped inside and went out onto a balcony,、uh, it wasn't that it had a spectacular view or anything.、Uh, the view was okay, but、um, just something about it was so serene.、Uh, we fell in love、um, and immediately we asked for a contract of sale and,、um, and just started the negotiating process. Um, so it was,、um, it was very exciting.、Um, the most exciting feeling we had was,、uh, I suppose, when they accepted our offer. We went to the offices and、um, 
and signed the contract. Uh, and that excitement was swiftly followed by sheer terror once we settled and got the keys and went to visit the property and realised just how bad a condition it was internally. So <laughs> we didn't, we didn't uh, you know, when you go to look at a property, you know, you don't check little things like windows. Do the windows open properly? Are they jammed? How do the doors open? Are the, are the doors rusted or what's this, uh, you know, um, storage area like? Um, you know, so just little things you don't check into. What are, what's the condition of the carpets, you know, or underneath the couch? We didn't realise underneath the couch the carpets were in poor condition. And so we quickly realised uh, a lot of the savings we had uh, set aside were going to be used to bring in the apartment back up to a. <laughs> To a good, um, to a good uh, standard uh, for us to live in, um, but it was exciting. Buying property to invest in was a bit of a shock to Tomarco's system. It's more transactional, theoretical, and sometimes even downright taxing in more ways than one. We later bought uh, another uh, villa, which uh, in Putney, um, which was uh, a, a similar experience. Um, we. We didn't particularly fall in love with it, but we, we fell in love with what we could do with this uh, place. So this was something we bought and thought we could completely strip down to, to the bricks uh, and rebuild the inside. Um, look, both properties, I'd say uh, if you were to look at them as investments, as uh, let's say you were buying to renovate and flip, uh, I'd say we would have done well on both of them. Um but the, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, I don't know if uh, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, have been involved in property renovations and, and, and flipping and selling. Um, it can be a, a pretty draining experience uh, trying to coordinate things and uh, all of a sudden uh, a quote has gone from, you know, 2000 to 3500 because of something unexpected and uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting carried away with picking expensive uh tiles for the kitchen and the backdrop and the you know so it, it, the budgets can blow out uh costs can go up um but uh overall i think it was uh enjoyable experiences uh we, we really liked it uh financially i'd say the second property was uh was more of a break-even uh transaction um but uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, fully enjoyable. It's always something you know you, you're thinking about when whenever you're. I mean, when you're young and you're buying a property to live in, uh, it's not most of the time in today's day and age doesn't end up being a house or the property you stay in forever because naturally family grows and you need more space. So, um, so they're always sort of bought with a, a view to become an investment. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's it's easy to get carried away when you when you start uh, renovating and, and dressing it up, um, and you sometimes got to remind yourself, look, we're not going to be here forever, so I don't need the you know the ten thousand dollar bench top. It's this scenario where feelings and property became involved that Demarco says can be so damaging, not because he's heard about it, but because he sees it every day. I have to say, um, you know, the properties we've invested in, we, we've also invested in uh, a commercial office uh, in the city before, um, which was um, probably out of the three three investments, uh, I'd say was probably by far the best one. Um, so, look, um, I, I wish I could say we've had a really bad uh, experience uh, on on property investing, but uh, look, I've seen some some horror stories, um, and 
look, I'd say the 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 one thing that I would probably be wary of most uh, if I was investing in property is is not to overcapitalize in the beginning. Um, if if you're buying a property for investment purposes. Um, you know, it has to. You know, the only the only property purchase where I would go all out and and not be worried too much about it is is obviously a property that that's going to be your forever home. You know, because in that instance you're going to enjoy it, you're going to be there. But if you're buying something for investment and and the the purpose of that acquisition is to give you either a profit, uh, capital growth, or uh, income, uh, then you have to be smart. Um, so so I've I've seen. You know, in the property development space, um, you know, a lot of developers get it wrong because they maybe pay too much for their site, way too much, um, because they get caught up at an auction and, you know, there's two or three people bidding and they all want the site and it goes from where their feasibility told them that this site should be worth no more than $1.2 They ended up paying $1.6 So all of a sudden, yeah, to, to get a profit out of this project, they have to sell the property for a ridiculous amount that's never going to happen. And, and yeah, that's, that's where you can get caught. So, you know, I, I would probably recommend um, people to really take a close look on how much they spend in the beginning um, because that, that could ultimately affect how much profit you end up making on a property uh, purchase. The amount of clients sometimes that um, I come across that sign contracts of sale and then go and try and organize finance after uh, is is just mind-boggling. Um, now, I don't know if I see more of it because I specialize in that private space and, and most people that end up in that situation tend to end up in a, a non-bank private lending uh, option. But, um, you know, I, I would highly recommend people at least engage with uh, a financier or a broker to at least understand what their options are uh, before they sign a contract of sale. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some some clients that put themselves in a position where they, they may be buying a commercial property or a development site and they've signed a contract of sale. They've got a settlement date now that's looming. Um, they've gone to their bank who they thought was going to, to do it and the bank's turned around and said no. And now they've got two weeks to, to find a, a finance solution or they lose their deposit. Um, so when, when you put yourself in that position, um, you know, you open yourself up to, to predatory lenders um, because you can't hide your situation. Uh, it's there to see, uh, and and this uh, if you don't if you're not careful, you get lenders out there who will take advantage of that and you know charge you astronomical rates and fees. So I guess uh, this sort of comes back to to investors and and and, and anyone who's looking at property to sort of have uh, I suppose a bit of a a clean process, uh, a strategic process that you follow when when you're buying property or. or or investing, um, you know, you need to, to sort of, you know, have a set criteria of, of things that you do. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of like a pilot. They don't let him take off or let her take off a plane off the ground uh, unless all of the checks have been done by the, the engineers before the plane uh, is, is cleared for takeoff. Um, they don't let him just take off and say, okay, we'll just check it when we land or halfway up in the air. Like, it doesn't happen. You know, so I guess 
you know, when people are playing with their money, um, you know, uh, money is not the most important thing in the world, but it's up there with oxygen. Like it's 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 pretty important. You can't survive without it. Um, so, the thought of people being just careless with it and you know buying property and that and not thinking about you know the risk involved and and how they can mitigate that risk um it's crazy sometimes you know Fabian and DeMarco's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. He'll tell us the most common qualities of successful property projects. The developers I see around me that are the most successful are the ones that prioritize working with trustworthy and reliable people. An approach to measuring success that makes life seem a lot simpler. I'd say probably about six months ago, I had this moment uh, where universe sort of tapped me on the shoulder and, and, and sort of said, here you go. Here's a little bit of wisdom that you you would desperate need of. The ins and outs of the modern money marketplace. If you tick that criteria, you now have a, a myriad of uh, possibilities on, on how to source financing and supply and demand because there are so many of them out there. And that's next time on Property Investory. If you love the show and you're a wholesale investor wanting to learn more about how I got started in alternative investments, where I've been able to use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns to fast track my passive income goal, then SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-3132 to register your interest. Now, in a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve my goal and have tripled my passive income. To find out how, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-3132. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.